This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insight Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London, Ed. Greetings from non-farm payroll headquarters. <laughs> Indeed, it's the first Friday of the month, and that can only be one thing. It's NFP Day. And, well, looking at the figures, jobs growth in the United States has slowed for a second month. Employers adding 263,000 new jobs in September, which is almost half the average number seen so far this year. But despite the slowdown, many analysts are already saying that the Fed will need to do more to rein in rapidly rising prices. So where did this pitch as far as you're concerned in terms of what was already predicted? I think there was a lot of mixed indicators leading up to this release. Earlier in the week, we had the ISM manufacturing uh, report where when you take a look at the employment component, it showed um, a pretty significant weakness. And then we had the JOLTS data, which was covering the month of August, showed a million job openings, over a million job openings um, disappeared. And, and then ADP came in a little bit better than expected. Um, and then we got services data. Um, and, and that really showed uh, the service sector is, is still still you know, cranking away jobs. And, and I think what happened was you, you had a, a market that was hoping uh, that um, you were going to see the impact of these Fed rate hikes really start to work its way through the system. And then we we're going to see the labor market cool a little bit more faster. And a cooling of the labor market would help those arguments that the, the Fed is nearing the end of their tightening cycle. Well, this report, was it hot? No, it was, it was, I think it came in a little bit better than expected. Um, what this is going to do is it's going to keep that door open for the Fed to remain aggressive. Um, you know, a 75 basis point rate hike is still on the table. A lot of uh, economists, analysts were expecting that if we saw some softness today, that expectation could have come down to a half point rate increase. Now it, it, it will all, you know, come down to inflation. Next week will be key. Next Thursday is the um, September inflation report. And, and I think that will be the you know, the deciding factor as far as um, cementing that 75 basis point rate hike uh, for the November FOMC meeting. But I, I think, you know, there's still too much. There, there, you know, the economy is slowing, yes, uh, but there's still a lot of strength in it. Um, and, uh, you know, after the NFP release, you know, we, we've already heard from, you know, the Fed's Williams, and he said that we need to get interest rates up even further. Um, and he's, you know, targeting that they raise rates to around 4.5% over time. So that still suggests we can still get a, um, another 125 basis points rates and increases for the rest of the year. And who knows what could happen in February. So I think, um, overall, risky assets—they, you know, did not like this um, report as it vindicates the Fed. They've been extremely united in delivering a hawkish message. Um, I can't count how many times we've heard from the Fed since the last policy decision, and it seems that they will remain consistent in saying they will be aggressive with this rate hiking campaign to fight inflation. And and right now, that's not good news for risky assets. So we're we're seeing equities sell off a bit here. 
it's been weighing on gold prices. Gold tentatively breached 1700, and and I think for the dollar, you know, the the dollar is it's still got some strength left in it. Um, yields are up uh, nicely, and uh, I think you're probably going to see uh, that interest rate differential trade is 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 uh, not going to leave the dollar's favor anytime soon. And it would seem that the Fed really is looking for any old excuse to keep its plan on target, isn't it? Overall, the labor market, if you take into consideration, the unemployment rate is now at three and a half percent. That, um, you know, really suggests that we're we're still um, going to see much more aggressive tightening because, you know, there's still if. If jobless claims remain near these cycle lows, if the unemployment rate is this low, um, and even if we start to lose more, you know, job openings, you know, people that need work have work. People are able to, 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 to still have an opportunity to, to find um, work here, and, and that, that is, is going to easily keep the Fed in a position to maintain these rate hikes. Now, remember, the Fed was late to fight inflation. They were wrong about it being transitory. They were too slow in starting Q, QT, and, and now they're they're scrambling. And, and you, you're you probably going to see that uh, they need to tilt the risks to um, making markets expect that um, there's a growing chance that we could have a severe recession here. No one's buying it right now. I think everyone still believes that the Fed is going to pivot quickly. Um, and I think for a lot of people, they're, they're thinking um, it'll take that first negative non-farm payroll to really get that going. And then, I mean, there, there's, there's still um, there's a, this. And, and then, and then what do you start? lowering interest rates once that happens i no, mean you you you, you are basically then are you've reached your target you, not that you've reached your target but you probably will have a downshift and then um i think you know they're they're prepared to send this economy to recession they're prepared to see job losses they're prepared for economic pain um but i think i think once we get that um those negative readings and what's going to complicate things is uh you you have midterm elections coming up you have um there, there's there's a there's a whole re- wide reason why people expect the fed is going to kind of change their tune um for that um, november meeting but i think right now the data has them committed into uh this stance and that's probably going to remain in place i mean taking into account the fact that we do need to rein in inflation and interest rates are a very good way of doing that do you get the idea that central banks around the world have been waiting for an opportunity to return rates to what they historically have been over the last decades. And this is the opportunity. And, you know, the rate of three to four to five percent was pretty normal uh, a decade or more ago. And this is the opportunity. And it's unlikely we'll see those very, very low rates again for many years to come. Most likely. And and I, I think, you know, we, we have to see exactly um the impact of deglobalization there's so many other variables that are going to um dictate you know where we end up seeing um, interest rates uh, global interest rates settle and i think right now though um you know we're 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 in an environment here where um wall street is is really gonna have to um decide you know how much how much money is going to now be poured into these like interest yielding investments that that is called fixed income um we're so used to 
this uh, near zero interest rate environment that it, it has really it has really fueled um, you know the the love for risky assets. So I think um, we'll 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 see exactly how this unfolds. But um, I, I think right now um, still um, if you're if you're getting around four percent with your two-year investment, you're you're still losing money to inflation. So we'll we'll, we'll see exactly what happens with inflation. But I think that um, over the short term, um, you know, it's a it's a safe bet to um, anticipate more market volatility. Okay, let's switch to a slightly earlier in the week story, and that was the announcement from OPEC Plus about a cut in production. Disappointing for the global economy, well, those countries outside of OPEC Plus, of course, the United States and Europe. And since we've seen the announcement, uh, the price of WTI and Brent has risen, hasn't it? Extremely. I mean, OPEC Plus basically... um told the world, you know, we control the energy markets. There's not much you can do about it. And even um, I think there's uh, expectations that, um, you know, we're, you know, the bullish trend is back. And, you know, the the, the summer weakness that we, we saw was rather promising. It has been providing a lot of inflation relief, uh, gas prices down significantly, um, and uh, now it, it, it seems that uh, the global energy crisis is going to be front and center as we approach the winter. And, and, and I think that the problem is the world does not have enough alternative solutions to, to OPEC's crude. And alternative solutions include, you know, progress with um, clean energy initiatives. Um, um, it, it includes, you know, U.S. production stuck at depressed levels. Uh, well, 12 million is not depressed, but... Um, Given the you know, need and demand for crude, and the you know the tapping of reserves, and the you know potential risks that uh, um, are there for the economy, um, you know, there, there you know there's there's no way around it. The OPEC controls prices. Uh, there's there's a um, going to be a lot of action and and uh, discussions about how to best pressure OPEC, um, but I think over the the short term um, you're going to see they they're going to be able to deliver this. And um, you know there, there's so many big wild cards here for oil: cold winter, China's reopening. China could have a a, a, a significant uh, pick up in demand. Um, we have to remember the U.S. is considering, um, you know, they they were winding down their the tapping of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Now they're they have to consider, you know, going down there even further. And now the problem is, um, you know, we're, we're getting we're getting to a, a point where some of these levels are getting too low, and it could be. Um, unsettling for um, you know the the overall um, health of the US economy so I think you're you're gonna you're gonna see that uh, there's there's not been a lot of investment in new wells new production is not really picking up you've seen OPEC plus struggle to make their production targets uh, so while they they they're slashing their target by two billion barrels a day. The real impact is about a million, just over a million maybe. Um, but I, I think you're you're going to see this oil market is going to remain tight. Um, OPEC Plus is uh, I'm going to um, 
wait out to see how the the short-term crude outlook unfolds. But I, I think that um, you know we're 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 looking at uh, an oil market that is is going to be vulnerable to a lot more shocks. And I think that you 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 have some posturing with that oil price cap on Russian crude, and Russia's saying like, okay, we, we can play that game. And and Russia seems like they're you know they're they're trying to signal that they're not desperate for revenues they won't accept prices below that cap so we could even see more uh temporary oil outages or shortages that is um in in these next coming uh, months so i think there's a there's so much risk right now to output and i, I think you're you're going to see that no uh, you know for energy traders this is our commodity traders broadly uh Oil is the favorite trade. Um, energy stocks are, you know, the right now they they've been the one of the the bright spots in, in the economy. Um, you know, today big red day, everything's down except for energy. Energy is the one sector up higher, and uh, I think you're going to see that uh, the world is going to be relying on on crude for quite some time. That transition to other alternative sources of energy is, is taking a lot longer than anticipated. Even, you know, this week we heard GE announcing some layoffs for some of their uh, wind projects. So there's, there's, there's a, this is an oil market that's going to remain, um, I think, supported here. And uh, there's, there's probably expectations that uh, the risk for $100 oil are back, 110 probably. And uh, if, if, if things get really ugly, then, you know, momentum could take us anywhere. Very interesting. Okay, Ed, let's talk crypto and the outlook over the next few days and weeks. Bitcoin's been down in recent hours, hasn't it? Yes, I think, you know, the the move in global bond yields, treasury yields specifically, um, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a sell off on Wall Street and that's dragging cryptos down. Bitcoin was, you know, for the most part, trying to hold on to 20,000 for a good part of the week. And uh, I think that you're seeing that crypto um, still very sensitive to um, Fed rate hike expectations, and uh, that's going to remain the place. But the weakness in crypto is no longer um, um, like a, a steroid uh, version of what's happening with uh, tech stocks. I mean, right now the Nasdaq's down two and a half percent. Bitcoin's only down one point eight percent. Normally, you would see. Bitcoin be down two or three times that. So, so I think uh, you're, you're seeing crypto is still kind of forming, or it's still stuck in this uh, this trading range. Uh, this is a, a stabilization period. Um, a lot of long-term crypto investors they view this as very positive. They're not expecting Bitcoin to to break out right now. Um, and I think the focus is is really going to shift to um, how is now, where is the new wave of investors going to come from? Um, is the institutional money going to continue to pour in? And right now, it seems like that's still the case. Um, you know, next week there's, uh, you know, for crypto, it's funny because there's, uh, you know, we talk about having events, we talk about important um, updates or merges, for, like for Ethereum, um, and uh, you know, some of the the other key 
um, events that I track are um, sometimes we have some key conferences where you might hear more announcements, more updates as far as what money is piling into the space. Um, next week, um, there's an invest uh, um, conference by Bloomberg, which will probably get more insight on crypto investments. Robinhood has a two-day investor day. And remember, Robinhood, uh, um, they, they have, um, you know, um, a lot of their traders have have been early to the crypto bandwagon and seeing exactly how that is unfolding and, and whether or not they still seek um, a, a strong bounce back for next year. I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, interest in the space, but right now the low volatility has somewhat kept crypto a little bit you know, grounded here, but I, you know, I anticipate once we have the peak in yields, then it's going to be a race, which risky asset is going to outperform. And uh, right now, a lot of, a lot of people are trying to position themselves a little bit with crypto. Right. Okay. So we've had a look back over a couple of the big stories, but let's look ahead now to the next seven days or so. What stands out for you? What should we look out for? Well, next week, it's all about inflation inflation data from the US. Um, but what's interesting is, uh, you know, normally we get CPI, then PPI. Uh, this week we get PPI first on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday, we also get the FOMC minutes. Uh, expectations are, we're not ex really going to see a lot of uh, pricing relief. And I think that when you take a look at the move in oil prices, um, you know, it started to recover towards the end. So, um, a, I think there's there's going to be um, some fears that uh, if we if let's say these pricing uh, pressures remain remain in place, but maybe they're they're cooling a little bit. Um, you know, the next month is going to see a sharp increase in energy costs. So we'll we'll see exactly how that plays out. Um, but uh, it's all about inflation data. I think uh, the baseline for many is the Fed is going to de deliver another 75 basis point rate increase as long as inflation does not. I mean, as long as we don't see a, a seven handle on the year over year uh, CPI reading on Thursday, I think um, you're probably going to see it's, it's a uh, expectations for the, the Fed to remain as hawkish as they have been um, will be the, the way things play out. Um, there's a there's a lot of uh, focus, too, um, in the FX markets with both what the, the BOE and the BOJ will be doing. I think that uh, Monday is going to be interesting uh, because uh, um, U.S. bond markets are closed for the holiday. Uh, the Japanese yen is at 145. And uh, so as we trade around, you know, prior intervention levels, you um, illiquid conditions with a bank holiday um, could prove to be advantageous. You might get a little bit more bang for your buck if you're intervening in the market. So it'll be interesting to see if that is a course of action that the BOJ takes. Um, I think that um, in addition to that, um, all eyes will be on the um, BOE's decision. I mean, as that um, emergency bond buying is set to end on the 14th, uh, they're going to have to replace it with something. <laughs> um, and so we'll, we'll we'll see that be a key key um, FX driver. And then um, I think there's uh, two other events that I have circled on my calendar. Um, we get a you know 
Chinese inflation data, but I think trade is going to be a little bit more important, seeing if we um, have any building of momentum in China. And then one of my favorite events, um, the kickoff of earnings season. It is here. That's on Friday. We'll hear from JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley. They're going to give us the latest assessment on the health of the U.S. consumer. Um, we'll learn about credit card um, spending, delinquencies. That is very insightful. That will give us an idea of how strong consumers are, what to expect for the holiday season. Um, and uh, more importantly, um, if the banks are rather pessimistic for the consumer, uh, that's just going to continue to fuel those Fed pivot calls. And um, but if, if they show that you know the the consumer is still hanging in there and 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 doing okay, then um, you you can see markets then start to capitulate and, and start to believe that okay maybe the Fed can do a little bit more tightening. So always important to listen to the big banks. Um, they see where the money is going in and out of for the American consumer. So that's going to be key. So um, that's a, it's going to be a busy week. Also, there's G20 finance meet, uh, ministers and central bankers meeting in Washington. A lot to, to cover, but um, those were the, the key highlights for me. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much, Ed. Have an excellent weekend. Thank you. You too. This is the Oanda Podcast.